This is our snake of the union. Yeah. Did you type that in the notes? <laughs> yes, I did. That's great. There is a big old elephant in the room right now. Hideo Kojima presents Brain Structure. Well, on that note, I am not amused. Yeah. Uh, it is... Uh, I'm going to be frank, it's a train wreck. I mean, like, I had a straight-up bad time listening to it. And there's there's so many things let's, going on about it that we'll deep dive into. Uh, but let's I don't know if we should start out talking about it this way. Maybe we should be a little nicer. I mean, I, I let's jump right into it. No, fuck it. They need to <laughs> hear. Like, OK, how nice do you want to be about that? I didn't think it was that bad, but by all means, go off fingers. Yeah. Fingers is full of anger lately. <laughs> it wasn't good. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, fingers, like, let's... fingers understands the the flawed aspects of it to a, another yeah. level. Yeah, you can speak on it way better than we can in this specific area. Like, I don't have a problem with the as a layman in terms of audio. Uh, I think it sounds bad. Yeah, uh, the content of it is is fine. It's just it's 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 Kojima talking about how he came up with certain ideas and how certain things got started. And that's and that's fine. You know, I like hearing that kind of stuff. The problem is it just doesn't sound good. It doesn't flow good. Uh, it's this is where you need to step in. Like, like it's not the it's not the message. It's the medium. That's the problem. Yeah, that's it's. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you're spot on with that. Like what he what he's talking about and what he's saying. Sure, that's that's all entertaining. But the, the, the presentation of it and the production behind it is just and I've got a cold right now, so I'm going to sound a little off. I, I get that. But it's uh it all sounds really muddy and very uh it, it's muddy and also crispy and tinny and and very harsh on the ears and a lot of like overproduced yeah and just a yeah. lot of the range in between like from different voices is all over the place so if you're listening with headphones it's it's going to be a bad time like i was just listening on my phone and it was just like god this is all over the place and there would just be certain sound effects that they would drop in that were just like ear shattering i mean and like the eq that they were doing on it like that's i was literally yeah, pulling it, it up on, on, on like the visualizer i was like what the fuck is this shape right here and why is it all the way here on the like past ten thousand kilohertz like why are they boosting all that and then doing a complete drop off like they're basically doing like a high cut where they're like not letting any of the highs pass through at all past a certain thing. And like and the slope that they're doing it at is so extreme that it's just it's unnatural sounding. And it's 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 just really weird. Like four people are going to know what you're talking about, dude. It's, it's <laughs> all right. So the, no, there'll be certain I, I don't like right, I'm going to talk about it. Y'all talk about the other shit. Get deep into all <laughs> This is his moment. Everybody shut up. <laughs> you're just talking about goddamn computer chips and x86 for fucking 20 minutes. Here's, here's the thing. There's frequencies. Sound goes from low to high. And when it goes from higher to higher, higher, you get those mosquito tones. They're really high pitched sounds. And they're boosting a lot of frequencies in that mosquito tone area. <laughs> That's where like air lives and stuff like that. There's just a hard cut where it's like if if you were to have an equalizer, you know that you would normally have the little faders and you would slide up and down. Imagine the ones on the far right, the, like the far two, you just slammed all the way down to zero for some reason. So like in the car, you know, in the car. So are you saying you know what I'm talking about that there's a problem? Don't. Are that. you saying that there's a problem Don't. with Kojima's with frequency? Kojima's frequency? God damn it! <laughs> you played us like a stamp fiddle! <laughs>
show is Apache Smash. Hey everyone, this is Days Ahead. And I'm Nitroid. You're listening to the Kojima Frequency. I, I do think it's funny that we do have a show <laughs> called of Kojima Frequency and you are literally breaking down Kojima's frequencies. Yeah, I mean, this is what the show's about, really. The most meta thing possible. Yeah. I love it. That's why they're missing them, because we stole them. <laughs> 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 no, but it does sound shit. Like, like Kojima sounds shit. The robot sounds shit, and the and the translator sounds shit, but all for different reasons. Yeah, brains like I don't want to be mean about this. Yeah, like like I know he's really passionate about this, D- dude. It's you're mean about everything else. Like, well, let's go. You're mean about everything. <laughs> I'll be mean about Metal Gear Solid Four. That's a different issue. I don't want to be mean about this. I'm not. I'm not mean because I'm trying to be nice. I'm mean because I'm I'm not mean because I can't get that angry over something that I felt was like mid. Okay. I want it to be good. Yeah. I can definitely see what you're talking about with the audio things and yeah. like brain is an interesting concept, but her voice was so grating. Brain structure. The theme of episode one is tinnitus. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it just, like, I'm saying this so they hear it and go, hey, turn back the fucking treble on her. Like, she doesn't need to sound that, it, it sounds like it's doubled, doubled over, like, like it's like it's layered twice. Yeah. And it well, sounds that's like what they're trying to go for. Like, it sounds like it's like it's a, a fuck up. Like, that's. An... Right. That's that's sort of the problem here is that th- you can tell they did this on purpose because they were going for something like future sound or something. Yeah, they're like, this is what speakers sound like in the future. Yeah. It's like, I God, I hope not. I'm going to fucking rip my ears off. Like, this is bad. Yeah, it doesn't work. And my biggest, like, like I can, that's fine. Like, that's whatever. The The thing that really jars me is the overdub, where you have Kojima talking that's at this lower aspect, volume, yeah. and then you've got the translator slash narrator talking over him because they wanted to have kojima's voice in the podcast so the thing is yeah. is that he talks like this over nitro go ahead nitro no that's that was it no so, so the thing no i'm gonna overdub you with him oh we're gonna do it what am i doing <laughs> you're doing <laughs> see we can't even do it it's it's i was trying to like i was gonna be your translator oh, I just talk you, over you yeah, like I, got, him. I mean i got and confused then, in four seconds i don't know how i listened to 25 minutes of that yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it sounds awful to have someone talking over someone else. Like that's that's good yeah. in like a quick little interview situation, or like someone's accepting an award or something, and you got to let them know, like, hey, this is what they're saying really quick. Yeah, but not a podcast. But to listen to twenty five minutes of someone else talking over it, and then that guy not being a very exciting person to listen to, it like I, I was having a really hard time. Just and to another thing, to the degree like of all the people, like I, I get that translation can sometimes be a very like sterile uh, process, but at the very least, try to like maybe emulate Kojima's inflections because I feel like we're losing a lot of that, which yeah. I expected yeah. to lose some of the dialogue, but to have it in a monotone voice like is really discouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I and kind of get what they're trying to do with it because I, I can see of them trying to say, hey, you know, we want the English dub, but we don't want to like disconnect it too far away from Kojima, I guess auditorily uh, or audibly or whatever. But it, it it just the execution is not good. Yeah, perfectly said. Yeah, that's you can tell they wanted to keep him in and and the Japanese version. I mean, I listened to a little bit of it and, you know, I, I may not understand it, but it's less jarring to listen to because you don't have that additional layer sort of, you know, fighting for your attention. 
basically was saying we'd rather watch the subtitled version than the dubbed version. Yeah, subs over dubs for sure. Yeah, can you guys subtitle this this audio recording? <laughs> I mean, they should. They're, they're Spotify. They can do video podcast. I mean, that's that's part of it. Why didn't he do that? That's why I'm pissed off. It's because this is fucking Spotify. It's supposed to be like the world leading thing, and it's Hideo Kojima, like the world leading thing, and it sounds this fucking bad. When our podcast sounds better than that, it's like, come on. That that's. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it makes me feel kind of good. But also, shame on them for putting out such shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, how can four kids, basically, you know, just put together a better show than that? Like, that got approved. It's got producers and directors. Like, tighten the fuck up. A dud. I don't know. You can call me a kid again. My 31-year-old ass appreciates that. I don't know who he was talking about. I was like, whoa, me. TLDR, higher fingers. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's like, have some pride in the fucking work. Like, that's... It, it, it is shocking that it is this rough, considering this is far from his first rodeo when it comes to podcasts. The old, yeah, the old podcast sounded great. And that's the thing. It's yeah. like, they're just doing too many overproduction, like, hoity-toity yeah. production tricks, and they're trying to boost all the treble and make everything sound all sizzly, and the robot yeah, sounds like shit, and they're throwing these sound effects that are just like... You're just like, what the fuck was that? Those kind of sound effects make sense when you've got like a weird sci-fi visual to look at. Yeah. But when it's audio, it's just like, okay, what was that? Like, do you want me to imagine a menu? Like, and you, yeah, you just got these overdubbed the things. So it's like TGA, Jeff Keeley. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, you know, it's just, I, I, like, stop yelling at me. TGA, the yeah. Jeff's answer. Hi, everyone. It's Jeff Keeley from the Game Awards. Get it? TGA. I did not listen with headphones because I was scared to. Like, it just sounds like whoever is behind that board doesn't know what they're doing. The, audio, the, the volume is all over the place. Like, okay. if, if you just look at it as a waveform. Yeah, Fingers was giving us screenshots of the waveforms earlier like, today. Right, like you're sending us these giant images of, look at the shape of it. And I'm like, dude, I don't understand this. Well, that's, I mean, this is what I'm passionate about. Like, this is, like, I'm an audio person and, like, I like to make things sound good. So when I hear stuff that sounds bad, it, like, it kind of fucks me up a little bit. You know, it's like when you yeah. see, like, a bad remake with awful new art, it's like, ooh, like, it kind of hurts a little bit, you know? I, I want to see this do well, though. And so that's a big pet peeve of mine is hearing like podcasts that, you know, or whatever that just record in low quality or just record the Zoom call. It's like, yeah, have a little pride, man. Figure out how to like layer two tracks together and record it like, ah, it sucks. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Sounds bad. Hated it. And I probably won't listen to it if it continues. That's the thing. Like, I want to listen, but fuck, that's that's a hard listen. Yeah. Like, I'm, I, I kind of want to learn Japanese just so I don't have to listen to the overdub. <laughs> yeah, I'll just listen to that version and just kind of, like, play along with that. But currently, as is, it needs a lot of work, and it makes me sad, and it makes me feel like the whole world's falling apart when that's, when that's what's like, all right, this is the number one Spotify podcast. It's just like, yikes. That's, that's bad. The dub was an L. Well... I mean, it's the first episode. Hopefully it'll get better. Hopefully they'll look at the criticism and they'll adjust and try some different stuff. <laughs> and hopefully they won't do this like real time narration thing. Like I know they want Kojima to be, you know, a part of it, but he's not speaking English. So there's not really a function for his voice to be there. You know whose words are being spoken. 
Yeah. You don't need to hear him. If he signs off on it, I'll take it on good authority that they're translating what he said. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Rather than oh. listen to two voices over well, the you top. Well, d- you do want to hear like the inflection, but that's the other part too. Like we were saying earlier with that guy having the monotone voice, it's just like you've got like Kojima being all playful. and Because he's translating in real time, yeah. But that's the thing. It sounds like the guy's reading it for the first time. It's like, hey, maybe like read through it like a script and like get familiar with it and then be like, yeah, and then kind of play it up like a play and like, you know, rehearse. And I don't know, man, it just it all sounds like instead of the monotone. Yeah, it sounds like he's literally reading through it for the first time and trying to figure out and like time it with him. Like and so he wraps up at the same time when he stops talking and doing that is just making it so much harder to listen to because it's the same thing. And sometimes he must slow down to talk. And it, it it sounds like a robot. That's He sounds like a robot more than brains. He just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had a chance to interrupt. It was really quite hypnotic. <laughs> I, think, I think Fingers is pissed off, right? Because... Uh, yeah, you know, after, after we after we're done recording, he spends five days at ripping apart our voices from talking yes. over each other, and like gets in on the tornado that we record, and they're like yeah. they're just not doing it. So he feels fucking pissed off, man. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. Yeah, and like the top podcasts in the world aren't doing it. Like I've I've hit up so many podcasts, big like comedy podcasts, big you know just like all, all types of people that I'm like, hey, do you guys need some audio help? Because uh, sounds like shit, and they're like, oh no, we're good. And, like. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. I mean like this is fine. Yeah. This is this is fine. Like, I don't know, man. It's it's weird how acceptable bad audio is. Like it's I don't know. And that's like that's one thing. If I hear like a crackle or some weird thing in a in a line, I'm just I'm out. Like yeah. so, someone's voice can be annoying and I'm out. Like I'm just like, uh uh-uh, uh, that's just hitting my eardrum a little weird and I'm I can't do it. Yeah, I'm not even British. She just does that in editing. <laughs> Damn, I'm good. In terms of content, though, like it's fine. You know, he he talks about how he came up with Metal Gear, how it got started. He went into a little bit of Boktai. Uh, he talked even about about the you know the casting for Snake and mentioned David Hayter. Which hey, did you know that in Boktai you have to be in the sun, and if you're not, oh yeah, in the sun when you're inside, you can't be in the sun and if I'm it's nighttime nice you can't be tr- <laughs> in the sun because it's night and there's no sun and vampires hate the sun this needs an editor <laughs> that was part of it dude there was literally like 10 seconds of him saying that earlier if you play that game indoors there's no sun right if you play during the night there will be no sun as well you need sunlight to defeat the vampires so it needs to be played during the daytime under the sun or outside. When I tried to make this game, everyone was against the idea. Wasn't there also like a break for a 25-minute show? <laughs> yeah, there's like a mid-episode transition in a 25-minute like okay, like I get it. Maybe this is just growing pains and they really don't know what like what they want the show to be yet and like I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to see it. You know, I'm going to I'm going to keep listening to it. Because I really do want to hear what he's going to talk about. Well, one thing I said earlier, too, I think it's like this sounds like too many producers in the room. Yeah, too many cooks. 
Yeah. Where it's like, all right, wouldn't it be cool if we did this and we had this little sizzle and yeah, put some fucking silent poets in there and like, no. And then we'll have this guy say, hey, can I do it? Can I be the one that goes, uh, the, the, could you, you know, like it's, it sounds like there's way too many cooks in the kitchen. Put a robot in. It reminds me of that meme that's like a rock station intro that's like, you're listening to 104. <laughs> Rock the rock, and then it like it's it's like dead silence, and then fucking uh, Imagine Dragons place. <laughs> oh yes, you're giving me an excuse to make one of those radio imaging bumps. Only real rock. You're now listening to TKF, the Kojima frequency, real Metal Gear podcasting, where we play nothing but Metal, Metal Gear, Gear Solid. Death Stranding, Snatcher, and sometimes Police Knots. Maybe Boktai. Metal Gear. Metal fucking Gear. This ain't your granny's Metal Gear podcast. I mean, I'm look, I, I've been wanting him to do a new podcast for a long time, so I really just Not like this. Like, Not like this. Like, dude, I, I used to listen religiously to the Kojima Productions report. Like, that, where they were like, I get that they had, like, the Japanese side where he would be more active and he would talk and yeah. they had, like his own podcast and he's done like several over the years but then on like the english side it would be just like either ryan payton or sean i stone or ken or aki saito or any of these guys and and they would just talk they would talk shop right Mm -hmm. they would just talk about the dev uh you know stuff going on they would just like talk about their experiences what was going on in, in their lives and in other areas and what was inspiring them and what was going on like not just with kojima but everything about the company and and game development and what was going into it you know in terms of like what was informing their ideas and the things they were in. like it was really interesting stuff like uh, like do that you know like at least maybe put some of that in you know, like I like the idea of having Kojima just talk about stuff and and getting it straight from him. Like that's I like that unfiltered, you know, source. Yeah. Idea. But I can't listen to that overdub. I can't do it. And uh, this also, like, I guess with it being the first episode too, like it very much seemed like uh, this is for someone who's never heard of Kojima before. You know, it's like it's like here's an introduction yeah. to the man known as Hideo Kojima. Have you so ever like, heard of a video who's... game? Video games are, you know, it's, that's it's it's like an introductory. You're channeling course, so like... Tim Rogers right now with that. Like... <laughs> oh God! But, yeah. Welcome um, back to video games. I don't know. Like, no, like really, who is the audience for this? Either yeah. like, there's really very little middle ground with Kojima fans. Either you have never heard of this guy, or you know everything about this guy, right? Yeah. Like, who is this marketed towards? The 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 undecided Kojima fans. <laughs> <laughs> They're still trying to figure out if they like Death Stranding. We'll see where it goes, and like, I don't know. Apparently, the from the teaser or whatever they're going to be talking about the movie nope on the next episode and I have, okay. I haven't seen that I'm episode. actually looking forward yeah, he's to been that really one. excited about that one yeah that's what I'm saying so like it's going to get into like cool subjects and stuff like I'm looking forward to it I just hope they figure out their audio shit before then so I can actually listen yeah. to it without having a goddamn brain aneurysm like it's I don't know can you edit this so that we sound at least 30% less mean about this? I'll like pitch our voices up so we'll sound like chipmunks and that might make us sound a little happier but other than that there you go yeah, we'll just start sucking helium the next time we complain. Cool. There was some good parts, though. Like we said, like, you know, I, I don't want to, like, completely shit on it. There was some good parts. I mean, I enjoyed, like, what I heard so far. Like you said, it seemed like it was a quick intro. 
the fact that he acknowledged David Hayter, which actually is a relief for us in many different ways that we cannot disclose right now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, like, like as soon as you even said that they're going to talk about Nope, like that's the shit that hypes me because I would love Red Letter Media covered Nope. I loved watching them talk about it. I could watch mm. more people talk about Nope. The fact that Kojima's talking about it, even better. But please, God, change the voice. <laughs> That's all we want. Yeah, it, it's, it is cool hearing Kojima talk about Hater, too, because, like, yeah, it's, I mean, like, have they really even, like, talked about each other or, or mentioned anything since mgsv really i mean that's that's where it kind of Not felt really. like the bad blood kind of or you yeah. know just like bad tasting in the mouth kind of like i'm sure they got respect for each other but and hopefully that's not the case anymore yeah yeah i don't know i mean i guess seven years is long enough to you know kind of let some shit kind of let it go fade away but yeah which on that note that tweet did you see where he said uh because of MGSV's, you know, release anniversary, he said, it's been seven years. I, I think he said, I miss everything. Yeah. Oof. It was just really sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> he does miss Metal Gear a little bit. I wonder if he called David that day and just like called Hater and was like, hey, man. It's like, I'm sorry. I miss you, dude. Like, <laughs> let's. Uh, it would be cool if yeah. they started working together again. I would like to see that. Yeah. It, like, I mean, not Metal Gear related at all, just like complete like no. separate IP, but just like them working together in some capacity would be cool. In any yeah, in any capacity, if they were doing something together, that would be really cool. I agree, and it would be such like a like character growth for because like you know we we've kind of always had or I've always been under the impression you know Kojima got a little bit of like a little bit of jealousy with David like just the whole like spotlight you know being the rock star kind of thing where he kind of wanted to be the face of Metal Gear and there was a little bit of you know, like a tug of war kind of thing with like ego there. Um, but it, it'd be kind of a cool like sign of growth to see them like both work on something. And, you know, David, you know, with his like storytelling and his editing and stuff and be like, hey, let's, you know, change this around to that. And then be like, hey, good idea. Like, I don't know, that, that'd be awesome for them to, for him to like be able to put his ego away because that's what it seems like was kind of in the way there. Trinkle in a little bit of Jeremy Blaustein, maybe? Yeah. That would be great. I would love to see collaborations with older team members. Uh, I mean, look, the whole the whole idea behind Death Stranding is building bridges, right? So, yeah, you know, live the ex- you know, be the example you're trying to set. Right. Yeah. And that's a, like, I hate that there's that that weird, you know, that gap between those two. But like, I also kind of get it like it's you know, it's like it's like a, a weird rivalry that I kind of like understand how both they could have the way that he did the MGSV like casting Kiefer and not even hitting him up. You know, that was like uh, so wait, I'm not. So y'all don't need me for this one, like at all, like oh, oh okay, shit. I'm gonna go drink now. Like <laughs> I'm rewatching 24 at the moment, and I was really worried that when I went back to watch 24, that I would that I would just hear Snake the entire time. But no, I never stopped hearing Jack Bauer when playing fucking MGSV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love 24. Yeah. Like, yeah, I I liked Kiefer as Snake. It's just it's the way that that business side of things went down of him just like not getting a call versus like them reaching out being like hey man just want to let you know we're doing something different with snake here we're gonna be uh we're gonna be using a different character and you know just and that's that's totally within their rights not to do that call but it's just like a professional courtesy almost at that point i would have told him the entire story and just said listen we're doing this because we're doing this with the story don't tell anyone yeah 
Yeah. Right? Like I think he deserved that. You're like, you're more than welcome to to do what, what Konami did, but we're also within our right to say you guys fucking dropped the ball there. Uh, I mean, we've been saying that this whole podcast, right? Um, and I remember, and I think we're going to kind of discuss this a little more. It's one of our topic points today, but I remember during that like golden period of hyping up for MGS5, you know, despite all the controversies with David Hayter and Konami, um, I remember one thing that everybody theorized was that, oh, well, they're saying David Hayter's not in the game because he's going to show up at the end of Solid Snake and then it's going to be Big Boss voiced by Kiefer fighting yeah. Snake. You know, and, you know, technically we did get a glimpse of uh, of Outer Heaven in MG1, but it wasn't what we expected. Well, yeah. it was what we expected because we, during that period, people found out the twist immediately. Yeah. <laughs> you know what it, uh, it, the whole recast thing and how, and how that was, uh, that sort of went down. It reminds me of an anecdote that Michael Crichton shared once uh when he was still working on the tv show er because because that was his idea right that was his concept and they developed it out and so for the first season of that show he was sitting in on the writer's room and contributing and on the second season of the show you know he was still there still contributing but obviously they were taking less of his ideas and he said that by like the third season he showed up to the writer's room and the writers were looking at him like what are you doing here and he was like, oh, yeah, this isn't really mine anymore. And he just stopped showing up. And that's sort of like, you know, Hollywood just sort of, you know, as these productions get bigger and bigger uh, and the production value shoots up, they become, I guess you could say, less personal. Yeah. In a, in a sense, the production becomes less personal because it has to. It's far more business oriented. And like Metal Gear Solid 1 that's that's still like Wild West game development, you know, even even MGS two and, and three were a little bit of that. But as you get further away into the newer consoles and things get, you know, the production becomes so much more complicated and sophisticated and expensive. And they're like doing audio at Skywalker Ranch and working with Logan and all these other, you know, design firms and studios and they're outsourcing work and the team yeah. balloons from like 30 to 70 to over 100, like like the entire attitude and 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 like aura around that changes and it stops becoming like just people like it's the difference between people shaking on a deal and there being these yeah. you just tons of red tape right that's uh that's one thing I, I went and watched that ilm documentary that's on uh disney plus right now and uh, david Hayter actually was he was in that spaces the other day that shane was doing and uh he had suggested you know people check that out because and I watched the first three episodes of it, and it really showed how that like that first crew of guys at ILM like really nailed, oh yeah, like figuring it out and going like, okay, here's a problem. Like, there's no way to like solve this yet. Okay, we're just going to invent a new way to solve this. Like, just the the, yes. the their problem solving and like their their passion for it was so cool. And to, to see like the links that they would go to to get some of those shots and how they figured it out was just like, holy shit, these guys like... Like early Jim Henson, George Lucas, yeah. like early, early days. Yeah, I mean, this, yeah. the Star Wars, in, you know, Empire Days and all that and where they're figuring out all the matte paintings and, oh God, all the Ralph McQuarrie stuff and, you know, so, yeah. so cool. But then they said by the time that they got to Return of the Jedi, 
Like it was so corporate and it was so like, you know, the, the speed at which they needed to get all their shots done and all the effects shots that they had to get done. It was like, it wasn't fun anymore at that point because yeah. it had gotten that takeover. And that's, I'm seeing that now, you know, kind of reflect that same type of energy and just like creatives versus studio, you know, heads and executives yeah. coming in and rushing shit along and, you know, deadlines and budget. It's very clinical, very sterile. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's it's also kind of very reminiscent, uh, which kind of hokens into Avi Arad and him and Marvel. But it reminds me of a lot of the criticism that I see about Marvel shows and that it's it's almost become like a factory where they churn out these products. And yeah, there's less there's less of a, a personal element to it. Not that, you know, Marvel was the most personal thing ever. But there are people that are saying, yeah. hey, you know, She-Hulk doesn't really look as good as she probably could is that because you know they're making these animators just constantly churn out content and it's like a factory i have heard that marvel will basically look at a bunch of different cg studios and say who can do this for the least amount of money in this amount of time and then they'll go for whoever does it that's why there's such a wide range of quality between different projects yeah. even even on tv like even if it's just like a show versus a movie like, there's no consistency to it. But, you know, like you said, you go back to ILM during that, like, Phil Tippett generation and how they handled things. And they yeah. really, really cared about their craft. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, you, 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 you know, you're right that, like, Return of the Jedi is definitely when things started to get more corporate. But even through, like, Jurassic Park, yeah, that, that generation was still there, still doing their best work trying to make things that they cared about and they were putting yeah. passion into it. Like, like, the spark was still there, even if it was starting to be suppressed. I thought it was, yeah, shout out Phil Tippett, man. He's actually, he's in that Seriously. documentary. And uh, he's, he speaks a lot in it. Oh, dude, Phil Tippett's a legend. Yeah, definitely check that documentary. I'd, I'd highly recommend it. But he was, he was saying too, like, like when he get he gets in that creative mode and like, you know, he was, he was always kind of anxious and dealt with a lot of depression and stuff. But just like, when he got his hands in that and he got focused and got in the zone, like all that stuff just kind of went away. Yeah. You know, and like, I don't know. It was, it was really cool to just hear how like that creation like really drove a lot of his stuff. And he was like, yeah, that, that pretty much like saved my life. Just creating stuff, you know, he um, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't I haven't had the time to watch it yet, but he recently came out with a film and it's it's sort of like it's his life's work. It's called Mad God. Have mm -hmm. you heard of this? No, uh, it's it's like a it's it's like a stop motion sort of. uh avant-garde horror stop-motion film it's really interesting looking like look this thing up it's it's something else there's like really nothing like it um uh and i i really want to sit down and watch like just the trailer you'll be sold but uh, but i, I want to sit down and watch this thing just because it's it's like phil tippett's passion project like he spent 30 years working on this thing mm -hmm. um and it looks incredible uh, it's one of those this is one. that's one of those movies i would like to hear kojima talk about you know yeah, I want to hear him talk less about modern movies and more about old movies again, because I think a lot of Kojima's more interesting work was inspired by older films that were mm. from that, you know, the Phil Tippett generation, if we're going to call it that, where there was still that artisanship to it, that there's yeah. really it's not there anymore. Everything's so heavily overproduced now that it doesn't have the same. It doesn't really have a spirit to it. It's funny. I do see that that he's on that the uh, Mad God, I guess, like promotion right now. But it's a picture of him with uh, Guillermo del Toro. You know, and Kojima had retweeted yeah. that. I think today. But oh, yeah. did he? Yeah, and it's just Guillermo oh, that's cool. saying like, 
Phil Tippett, a master, a teacher, a titan. So it's just like, I don't know, that's that's just all these like legends of film, you know, just real, recognizing real. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's I'm I'm so I guess I guess let me let me kind of swing it around to this, which is sort of how I'm seeing movies nowadays, and it's kind of depressing to me, is that like obviously if you're gonna go see a, a Jurassic Park film today or a Marvel film film, you're not really expecting like high cinema. You know, th- these aren't art house films. These aren't like they're I really do think Martin Scorsese sort of hit the nail on the head when he said that they're kind of equivalent to to amusement park rides. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but but that's that's what they are. They're po- they're they're pop entertainment. But there is definitely a difference between the pop entertainment of today and the pop entertainment of like the 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 80s and the and the early 90s. If you yeah. go and I I am a huge Jurassic Park fan and I have suffered through this new trilogy. <laughs> I can't it's it's been it's been something. Uh if you go and watch Jurassic World Dominion and 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 just see how much of a cartoon that is, okay? And then go back immediately and watch the original Jurassic Park. It is the the contrast in style in tone it will give you whiplash it's so dramatic wasn't that kind of like a problem with sequels too like you just have to keep escalating it It like where can we go from here and how do we top it from that you know it's yeah but a lot of films are like that now it's not just jurassic park oh yeah i'm not saying it's a good thing i'm just i'm just like that's an inherent thing with sequels it's like well we got to top what we did last time and make it even better like fast and the furious it's like all right we're driving cars on the goddamn moon i guess next time like yeah uh, have they done that yet i don't know but i don't know i stopped watching but but like it's not it's not necessarily the issue of sequels it's just the approach to movie making where it's again it's this sort of sterile overproduced made by committee sort of thing and the only like interesting films you get brain structure what yeah (laughs) (laughs) i can't you i said yeah as a knee jerk that's not fair that's not fair you cheated me you tricked me it's it's uh, you know, it's the the only interesting stuff coming out nowadays in in games and in movies is the more auteur stuff. You know, it's the it's the the individual like you've got a singular or or smaller collection of voices driving it rather than this large group that's deciding like, OK, how many focus groups do we have to to market this towards? Right. Yeah. Like that's really what's destroying it in part. And also like people are watching these movies that have been designed by committees and they think that's how you're supposed to do it. They think the writing style is good. You know? Hmm. Like, how many movies have you heard the term shitbird in? <laughs> that's a good question. I, I, don't, I don't think many. A lot. I've heard it in so many shows and movies. It's like That's like the modern writer's favorite word. Uh, it, it, it's it, this is a bad. This is just like one nitpick. Okay, whatever. But like, isn't that in like Trailer Park Boys? And fucking, it's in everything, dude. I don't know. It's 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 everywhere now. I hear it everywhere. Well, he's no. It's it's shit. Everything with him. Never mind. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why bother the couple shit sticks when you can have the whole shit trawler, Mister Lady? Nice shit analogy, Rick. Uh, there's a a guy on YouTube I watch who's like he's like sixty, and he used to work in uh, Hollywood, 
He says the reason the writing is so bad now is because they're hiring a bunch of people straight out of college in LA who have like no real world experience and they're all yeah, that's a big part of it too and they all think they're amazing writers and they're all patting each other on the back saying how great they are but no one outside of LA really cares what they have to say on anything and they have no real world experience it's almost like they're talking like they're on the internet yeah like, you know yeah I mean? it's like it's like it's god and that's one thing i really hate like when you're talking to someone and they'll like say lol or something and you're like whoa, whoa, whoa hold on yeah. poggers not on the internet right now like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like chill out it's actually somehow more annoying than the last phase of this where everyone was copying how joss whedon wrote dialogue Ugh. <laughs> yeah as somebody you who know? watched every episode of buffy and angel just Ugh. <laughs> yeah. i wish too hard for that shit except now it's internet speak uh, but going back to Metal Gear Solid Five, like we got we had two anniversaries this week. Well, like kind of in that same time frame, but it was um, Metal Gear Solid One, um, as well as MGS Five. You mentioned it was the seventh anniversary, and it's interesting because like, like I was eight years old when MGS one came out i didn't know about it until the playstation demo disc Lulu demo disc so i didn't get to really and if there was any sort of major hype train going for mgs1 in, in 1997 1998 i completely missed it god bless that demo disc where whereas with five like i mean fingers you and i both were like deep into yeah. that shit back in the day like it was mm-hmm. huge whereas like and then like we were talking about it and then nitroid kind of brings up like his own experience because he kind of had that same experience with mgs two and uh one and two so i thought it was an interesting juxtaposition it it is weird to look at. Um, there wasn't really a huge hype train around MGS1, though it definitely had a lot of marketing and a lot of magazines were talking about it. It it was just... It was impressing people on its own merits, you know? People were seeing the trailer, they were seeing the screenshots, there was nothing on the PS1 remotely this sophisticated, and everyone was was going like, whoa, what is this? And, you know, it was mostly uh, unknown to the U.S. market, um, you know, sans a sort of small contingency of fans who played the NES version and had access to that and recognized the names. But like, um, and there, I mean, there was a community of Metal Gear fans at the time that just was sort of very niche at the like, just very grassroots early and small. Um, but MGS1 didn't really have the whole big hype train around it. And hype trains weren't really a thing yeah, in the same like, way. That's a whole nother element in itself, right? Is that, you know, how yeah. far could you have a hype train with, like, dial-up internet? You had the cover of GamePro and, like, EGM. Yeah, exactly. and it was like, how many how many game magazine companies can you consider to get on the cover? It's yes, like, that, okay. that was our metric. That was the hype train. Yeah. Yeah was how many magazine covers and did it have a commercial that you actually saw on TV? Yeah. But Metal Gear Solid 2. Now, that was different. That was a... Really, the MGSV hype train is the only comparable release to that. It was was like that. Uh, When when they first showed off that trailer for, for MGS2, I mean... PC developers were go- were going to to Kojima and being like, "How did you do this? Like, how did not not just how did you do this, but how did you do it on a PS2? 
Yeah. Like, we're working on PC. We can't do this stuff. What did you do? Like, like which demon did you make a deal with in order to make this thing, right? I'm already a demon. It was it was so huge that like every magazine was covering it, even non-gaming magazines. It got Kojima in Newsweek. They were talking about it on the news. Uh it was um uh you could get the trailer on VHS. They would have it in rental stores so you could watch it. I kid you not. It was it was insane. Like and 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 like magazine like gaming magazines at the time were constantly trying to milk this because like every issue had like if it didn't have MGS2 on the cover, it had something about it. Like either on the front like cover, like written down, like and more details. Like we found out some new things about Metal Gear Solid 2 because they asked Kojima, like, like, how long is it? Right. Like it's some tiny question, but they did mm. every like everybody was trying to milk how much interest there was in MGS2. It was insane. And then, you know, the review cycle hits and everyone's trying to hide the spoilers and all that. And it was just there was tons of like merchandise announcements. And they were saying, like, you know, McFarlane's going to do the figures for this like he did with MGS1. Like MGS1 wasn't, you know, this huge thing until after it came out. But MGS2 was huge from like moment one. Yeah. You know. And just for for the next two years, it was just nonstop. Uh, so yeah, like MGSV, uh, I didn't really let myself get too dragged into that hype train. I mean, well, I, okay. I kind of did, but <laughs> not, not to our extent. I am, I am literally in a Konami promo video for that game. So I probably shouldn't say that, <laughs> but, um, uh, but that's the closest thing to, to MGSV is probably the MGS2 release. Uh, MGS4 was pretty big too, but, but like after, People got kind of soured uh, from the bait and switch in MGS2. The response to like MGS3's announcement and release wasn't quite as strong, even though, you know, everybody kind of looks at MGS3 and that's like the that's like everyone's favorite now. You know, that's probably the most liked game of the series is three. Like if you if you if you could collect every single Metal Gear fan and you took a poll over which one everyone thought was their favorite, three would probably win that. I think no no one hates three. No, yeah. like yeah, like even if you, it's not your favorite, no one like has super strong hateful feelings towards it. Right, and that was I think you know there were conversations in the fandom at the time about that being sort of by design, is that it was sort of backpedaling from how uh, extreme MGS two was in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know it was a safer Metal Gear. It was returning to sort of a more simple, uh, straightforward story. It wasn't. Uh, you know, a lot of people thought MGS2 was very preachy and and, you know, it's everyone thinks it's brilliant now. But when it came out, believe me, a lot of people did not think it was that great. But yeah, like even even through three, when they got to four. Y there was still a bit of that, a bit of that negativity sort of lingering where people were still sort of lukewarm to, to Metal Gear Solid because of getting burned with two. Four comes along and is promising to answer everything about two, so that definitely got sort of the ball rolling again. But yeah, it's, it wasn't anything compared to what V was. Yeah, like jeez. See, this is like where I feel like being online, like during those times, like you know, I I, I used the internet for like walkthroughs and looking up cheat codes and stuff. But like as far as like going into forums and like discussing stuff with people and getting hype, like you know, and doing all that, like I didn't do any of that shit like until way later. Yeah. 
like I did. I did. I, I ran a forum, <laughs> but it was it was for RuneScape. I used forums if I needed help with a specific thing. I would go in and get my answer, and then dip out, and be like, "Cool, I'm not gonna sit here and like have a chat." when I don't know if people are even going to come back to it. Like, that just, I don't know. I do remember, like, uh, BCC forums. I do remember, like, being part of those and having discussions. But it wasn't, like, it wasn't to the same intensity that, like, fandoms kind of yeah. do it. Yeah. I would get into, a, like, you know, you would go to the sites and then they would have, like, the rings, you know? Like, you would go through, like, the... God, what were those called? They're, yeah, like, it was, like, fan rings. Like, it would, like, you'd be in, like, a cycle yeah. of sites pretty much. And like, yep. so there was that, like there was that side of it, but still I just, there was Usenet. Yeah. Uh, like all sorts of, all the GeoCities type things, MIRC yep. chat channels, all, all that shit. Sure. Yep. But <clears throat> I didn't get into like the Metal Gear community until way later, like after I had played through MGS4, you know, and I was like playing through Peace Walker. That's when I started being admin on Solid Snake. And, you know, I had gotten pretty familiar with the series. So, like, I don't know. I played through MGS 1 and 2 and 3 and was just like, fuck yeah, all good games. Didn't have a bad time with any of it. Like, and then everyone's like, this negativity of MGS 2 and all the backlash. I was like, yeah. Raiden controls the exact same as Solid Snake. Like, who gives a shit? Y'all are stupid. You know, like, yeah, that's, I just literally didn't mind it. You know, I was like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah. That's the thing. It's It's so weird now in hindsight because I tell people nowadays that Metal Gear Solid 2 was sort of hated by the fandom when it came out for a very yeah. long time, and they think I'm lying. But it, I'll tell you what the interesting contrast is between 2 and, and, and V. Mm-hmm. With Metal Gear Solid 2 and the hype train there, it was very much sort of happening at the, the birth of the, the modern internet. You know, like the Internet had been around for a bit, but it was very it was very infantile and it was something that not a lot of people were using regularly. It was still very much like a toy. I remember MGS2 came out. I was using Kazaa like, you know, like it was Mm -hmm. pre LimeWire. You know, it was like, yeah, it was those times. That stuff was. Yeah, yeah, that (laughs) was the era when things that we sort of take for granted now and consider normal were just starting to rise up. Mm -hmm. Um, But V had its hype train in the like fully aged and matured insane internet. And I'm going to say it. You know what? I'm about to say it. MGSV had the best lead up to a video game of all time. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold sets up. Wrath of the Lich King. It's, it's just so different, you know, how it was because like the lead up to MGS2 there was a lot more measured there were there were definitely conspiracy theories and stuff but it wasn't like v was like nothing even close to that but then again we didn't really have you know youtube like you know it uh like yeah. like how you know it you know well, i mean we were analyzing like, trailers frame by frame having like you know then he would drop a new so trailer and then you've got so were we i'm like i don't know if i want to really admit this in public or not but i ran a metal gear tumblr that Hell had yeah. like I had a I gift like try to give every <laughs> fucking thing from those trailers and break it down. That was how me and you pretty much met, and like yeah, yeah. I would do the same shit. We would we it would be like pretty much like off to the races when a new trailer would come out. We'd be like gifting different shit and like <laughs> making little gift sets of stuff. Like look how cool this looks. I'm like oh who's shit that? posts. And, I, I remember yeah. all the cocaine shit posts with the trailer of uh, we won't you know we won't 
with the ashes in his face. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so many yeah. memes, all, all the fiddle shit once Ground Zeroes hit, you know, it was just like. Quiet as Chico. Quiet as oh, Chico. Geez. Wow. Remember that? Yep. That is the key, though. That's the major difference is that there wasn't a meme culture, but there was an internet. Yeah. When MGS2's hype train was happening. So there wasn't. It was it was a little more I hate to say that it was more measured because, you know, people were still dissecting it and and, you know, going through frame by frame and having these theories that were crazy. It was just in smaller circles and in smaller bubbles, like, you know, like little smaller communities. Kind, no, not really. It was just it was a different attitude. It, it didn't feel like you were. Well, let me put it like this. Imagine a conversation with a person who's standing in front of you versus a conversation with a person on Twitter. Uh-huh. You know, and how, like, there's a big gap between talking to someone online and talking to someone in person, right? You're saying we used to talk, like, more in person, like, back then on the internet? Yeah, yeah, it was, it, we, we hadn't gotten out of that phase yet where it still felt okay. like, you know, people were were definitely being, you know, jerks and stuff, but... But it still felt like you were having normal conversations. It wasn't like it is now where it's almost like half of the conversations are like parodies of conversations. Yeah. You know? There is so much irony injected into everything. You're just like, oh, man, yeah. I don't know tails from now. Yeah. We hadn't got there yet. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> we hadn't reached the post-irony phase of the circle yet. <laughs> uh. Yeah. No, V was crazy. I, I, I wonder if there's ever going to be a hype train like that again no not in my lifetime you don't think so i mean that's like we were literally like is that solid snake sitting next to liquid snake in the helicopter like there's two twins oh, there right? like holy shit what's happening everybody like, all the music dude, too mm-hmm. like when fucking mike oldfield nuclear you heard that the first time mm-hmm. yeah then oh, I made a man. fucking electro remix out of it with Mentorman. <laughs> turned it into a club it, banger. And I was like, this is a sad song. How did you turn this into a club song? Well, I mean, <laughs> if we want to talk about songs that you brought out that blew up during MGS5, I mean, we have to bring up the obvious. Yeah. Good old fiddle remix. Gosh. Pretty much everybody goes, oh, yeah, your fingers. You're that fiddle guy, right? I'm like, yeah. Good job. <laughs> You're a legend. I told you, the real me is no match for the legend. Dude, the only thing I can think of from MGS2 that that might have caused that same level of insanity in terms of response from people was the third trailer uh, for MGS2, like the very last one before they sort of released the game, mm. uh, if I'm remembering right. Because at the very end, it shows that shot of Solidus holding the swords and he's got the visor over his mouth and it like clicks away after he beats up the rays. Uh-huh. And you see him. And so you don't have the context for this. We don't know who Solidus is. We don't know what he looks like. And you see this guy with an eye patch in this armor who's the spitting image of Big Boss. Like, and it's yo, like, holy Big Boss, shit, like- he's alive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like. And and for like a, a you know a short period of time, everybody was going crazy until somebody pointed out that it was the uh, the wrong eye, and then arguments started about the like the the old NES or MSX booklet and blah 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 blah. But like that's the only thing I can think of that was even remotely close to like some of the details that people would obsess about with V. I'd be funny like, like the Snake's Revenge, like the whole like going into that whole thing with uh God, who was it that said like Big Boss was like a cyborg, whatever. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. God. Like I mean it's it's interesting to 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 think about these ones because the other the other like hype cycles around the games definitely existed, but not like they're they're kind of like lost to history. Uh-huh. If you were there, you might remember them, but there's really not a lot of evidence of them. So like three was sort of tepid. You know, people were excited and uh you know, the trailer was actually leaked in advance of the official reveal. Um, and so people were, were were making guesses that this was Big Boss and not Solid Snake. And some people were like, no, he's time traveling. And I'm not even kidding. But it, but, you know, it wasn't anywhere near what MGS2 was because a lot of people were soured. Uh, and then four comes along and that was a big one. Uh, not as big as two or V, but but real close. Because it was like, yeah, this is going to be the one that explains everything. We're finally going to get our answers. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the game looks amazing and it's got all these new things and we got a new Metal Gear Online and it's on the PS3, the world's most powerful video game console. And it's going to be amazing. And like, yeah, then we got all our answers and everybody stopped talking and the fan site died. <laughs> I mean, that's and that's another thing, too, like coming into MGS4, I didn't have a PS3 for a while, so I was kind of late on playing it, like came into it was like, all right, another good Metal Gear game <laughs> and like <laughs> enjoyed it. I don't know. I walked away from it like I'm satisfied. Glad. That's you know yeah, what? I mean, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> <of your solid. laughs> I can say that. I met my first like serious girlfriend because of Metal Gear Solid Four. Aww, <laughs> serious? Yeah, that's for real. That's awesome. Yeah, I hope we get something like that again. Maybe if Konami makes another Metal Gear game, maybe if Kojima gets roped back in. I mean, he says he misses it. Like, you know, yeah. you never know. Things I think uh, I think we could get some modicum, like uh, maybe a little taste of that, if like our hypothetical David Hater, Jeremy Blaustein, Kojima game happens. Yeah, the dream team. It. I mean, they definitely tried to like build up a huge hype train for Death Stranding, and and you know there was a lot of excitement there among Kojima fans. Unfortunately, a lot of them thought Death Stranding was secretly a Metal Gear slash Silent Hill title, but. You know, there was there was definitely a lot of that still there. I mean, he knows how to build hype. That man, you know, has a talent for it. Yeah. I would love to see him talk about that on his podcast. Just sort of like what inspires him or what his thought process is sort of going through. Like why he decided to curate the experience from the first yeah. trailer till you see the end credits. Like you're like, right. Yeah. You're playing the game from the moment that, that it's announced. And and that's what's awesome. Unfortunately, it also occasionally drives people crazy. I would love to know what he thinks of sort of the conspiracy wing of his fan base, you know? <laughs> like, he's got to be aware of how crazy the theories are, and he definitely plays into them and takes advantage of it. For market. But, like, there is a, a subsection of the fan base that is downright religious about this. I just imagine him just being like, ah, nah, they're ever taking it. (laughs) He took two breaths instead of three in that clip. That means something like seriously, they will they will they will draw associations between the most unrelated stuff to try and, you know, connect things that are totally unrelated. And when you try to pin them down on what exactly it is they think is being suggested, they're just like, you'll just have to wait and see. You don't get it. Like, no, I don't get it, because there's nothing to get. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of, it's kind of why you post tweets with fucking clocks at different times. And yeah, stuff, exactly. He loves fucking with them. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 nonsense. You know, he's he's it's like anti hype. It's weird. I don't know what to call it. Red herrings, just like throwing you yeah. through a loop and shit too on everything. Yeah. Yeah. People yeah. practicing grand unified Kojima theory. <laughs> this is it's strand theory. Strand theory. I think we're we're at like uh, DefCon three right now for Kojima right now, aren't we? Like, he's, oh lord, it's <laughs> gonna be coming to TGS. I mean, that's shit. I thought that's they were only week. showing merch. I don't I didn't know. Think they were actually. You think they got something to show? I like that they showed the. Um, he's got tickets. Like, he's gonna be there. So that's a level three yeah. automatic. Like, that's DefCon three. He's gonna be there. Yeah, but he's selling like CryptoBio plushies. I, I know. I, that's I, what I'm saying. It could go to two. I kind of want. It one. could, but right now we're at a three. So just you know, just. Stay frosty. I'm probably going to get one. Yeah, I'll buy one of those. We really need to make like a t-shirt. With the levels. Another Kojima Frequency merchandise. Yeah, with the levels. Great idea. The Kojima Defcon. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah that's we're going to do that. Great idea. I mean, <laughs> or like look, a print poster. I don't know. Yeah. While we're, while we're on the subject, like, do you want to talk about a bit about where we're sort of taking the show? Because I know there's not a whole lot going on right now. We're sort of in between announcements in between games, in between news cycles, it's like we're in a void right now. We're all we're all just waiting for that Metal Gear Solid Three remake. Shut up. And on the person on a personal perspective, we've been kind of in between guests in a sense that there have just been like yeah. so many scheduling conflicts. It's the yeah. summer yeah. as we're transitioning to fall, and it's just been it's like hurting cats, if you will. And that that's nothing yeah. against anybody else. It's just yeah, no, been, the people are awesome. It's been hard for us to plan against amongst each other. Yeah, I mean, hopefully our next guest won't keep us waiting. Huh? What? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, all right. So yeah, I mean, do we want to dig? How how much of the plans do we want to dig into here? Because I know we listed well, a few. The guests are a little hard to talk about because, yeah, like you said, it's it's like we don't want to promise that we're going to have a guest on unless it's in stone and done because things can go wrong all the way up to the moment of recording. Sure. Yeah, it, it's really why we, why we don't, right? Because like yeah. if we if we if we told you who was coming on, you would have been disappointed multiple times <laughs> up to this point because we've just had <laughs> yeah. things yeah. change like very quickly. Yeah, we've had to reschedule three different guests now. Yeah, and cancel yeah. one of them. Uh huh. At a more positive note, however, um, we are trying to extend the business into other forays. Not not trying to sell out, but more so like looking at the con circuit. Timeshares. No. <laughs> 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 Get a timeshare in outer heaven. Yeah, conventions for sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm I mean, I'm really quite emotional about this, right? I'm. I'm from England. I. I've never met these guys. We record every single week. Fucking love you guys. It. We don't record every week. It feels like every week, but we we record every two. Weeks. We talk all day yeah. every we talk week. All day. Much. I, <laughs> I play Final Fantasy fourteen like way too. I'm literally sitting beside uh, Apache in our FC strip club, <laughs> idling while recording this. <laughs> Me and Apache will be like working on like fucking music stuff together. I was like showing him some music production, like past midnight stuff last night. And we're just, you know, we, we all do this like hanging out and stuff. But yeah, we haven't we haven't had a meetup in person. And so that's why I think we're we're all trying to like centralize in one location coming up here soon. And we're going to try to make it to MAGFest uh, next year together. And we're going to try to pull off a panel. And uh, so that's that's the goal. If it happens, if we get accepted for the panel, who knows? But, you know, more details will be coming out on that soon. Um, it'll be a Hideo Kojima panel, you know, featuring 
the Kojima frequency. So, should I read the description? We've had like one meeting on it, and we've spoke about it in a chat a little bit, and it already sounds like really good. It'll be so yeah. so good if it gets accepted. We've um, got some awesome ideas and some funny shit lined up, and yeah, yeah, it's not gonna be your typical panel. Like, yeah. if you've ever been to a convention that's had a Metal Gear or Kojima panel, you kind of know what to expect, and and you know they're good, um, but there you can only talk about the same thing so many times and so I, I i've seen i like i'll get to give you an example of somebody who tries to mix it up uh a friend of the show uh token flip guy he does a lot of of kojima and metal gear panels at different cons and he always tries to do unique things to keep it going and and we sort of want to do something unique as well but like i don't know if we can really get into exactly what we don't want to give the game away. Do? We don't want to give the game away, but it won't no, be like don't, any, don't yeah, give any of it away. Before. It won't yeah, be like any, it won't be like any you've seen before. It'll be really We'll be see y'all at Magfest 2023. Yeah. And if you can't make it, we'll like we'll get it on video. It so. will yeah, it will be streamed. I don't want to jinx this by saying too much like, but we are going to put the application in. Uh Apache is going to try to work and get into Magfest, the speedrunning section or event that they have at the convention. And uh I mean, regardless of Either of those get in. I, I can guarantee you Apache and I are going to go. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah, it's it's I mean, if Apache can make it all the way across the, the puddle, I mean, <laughs> I can I can make it from the Midwest. Yeah, it's it's not too far of a drive for me, too. So that's the plan. It's about 10 hours for me. We'll see if it if it works out. But uh, hopefully it does. I think we can do it. Yeah. You know, we were talking about TGS just a little bit ago, and Konami's got something going on there. Yeah, they've got one of the bigger booths there. Uh, Kojima's going to have a table. I didn't see the size of that or anything, but, you know, and it's, I'm not exactly expecting anything, really. I mean, you know, besides DEFCON 3 level, just him there with merch. If we get a new trailer or something. Konami, though. I know. And then, Konami like, supposedly has got this... What is it? They've they've got a game from a beloved, a series beloved around the world, I think is what they said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got a voice actor hyping it uh, who may or may not be actually, you know, someone who performs in this series. Um, That's what they're saying, that he was like a, a fan representative, like he wasn't yeah. necessarily like, hey, this is my project that I'm working on. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird. Can we, can, we take, can we take guesses right now on what it is? I mean, well, Days, you were saying the about the copyright thing, right? Oh, yeah. Somebody found some like uh, update of an of this. I can't pronounce Suikoden. it. Suikoden. Yeah. Uh, somebody found that Konami updated the IP for that. And I think that actor in particular had a role in that series, too. Uh, so that's where I'm putting my bets. So, but you know, IP refreshes or whatever you want to call it. I mean, yeah. that, that we we've had those headlines before where oh, like so and so refreshes IP and then nothing comes out of it. It's it's funny that it, if it does end up being Suikoden, it's really interesting timing given how. Uh, you know, Ayudin Chronicle is right around the corner, yeah. which is sort of the the indie spiritual successor made by the original team members that left. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of interesting. And I wonder if that's if, if it would be if it was intentional or if it's just, in, you know, convenient timing. Um, 
I mean, I would look. I would love for this to be Metal Gear. It's most likely not going to be Metal Gear. I think it's Pez. <laughs> I think it's Pro Evo. <laughs> Pro. It is beloved around the beloved world. IP. Uh, it, it really is. You know what? We fixed it you know this what? time. You know what? Britain needs that right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the first two uh, in games were fucking great RPGs. Like, I, I didn't care for three that much, and four and five are notoriously just not good. But uh, the first two are just like classic JRPGs. You had the you had the full scale battles that you could do that were like kind of tactics. Like you can collect like hundreds of characters, right? Yeah, like, it's a hundred and eight uh, characters <laughs> in each game that you can Jeez. collect and be, and they're all you know all have different moves and sets, and that's after the hundred and eight you know that all like folklore. You know, it's I I wonder if it okay. Let's let's presume for a second that it is Suikoden. Do you think it would be internally developed by Konami or would it be another outsourced project? Because Konami's in-house stuff has been a little questionable, let's say, but some of their licensed stuff lately has been insane. Yeah. And how good it is. Like, yeah, fingers like taken away. Like the Cowabunga collection. Like, like, yeah. yeah, you've been the evangelist for this thing. Yeah. And I can, I completely understand why. I mean, yeah, I was I was showing you last night, like just the extras alone in that game are incredible, and it's it's like what all's in it, and like I'll tell you what's in it. Metal Gear's in it. Um, you've that's got, right. Metal Gear is in the Cowabunga <laughs> Collection, which is very Konami funny. actually put Metal Gear content out in 2022, and it's uh it's in the Cowabunga Collection. But yeah, they I mean they have like old game ads, like just magazine ads, promo, the box shots, uh, you know, instruction manuals. It's like the document of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It really is the document of TMNT, yeah. I was never really into Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles. Shut, well, I knew no. you were going <laughs> to I knew you were going to say that at some point. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> Another cool thing is like, yeah, you can switch region on it and like you can you can go in and play the different, you know, British version, the Japanese version, whatever. I got to admit that I didn't know that until um I was on Metal Gear Resurrections podcast, and they—they they, it was Metal Gear D model who told me that he was like, oh, yeah. you know, "It's called something different in your country." I was like, "No, I didn't know that." <laughs> Are ninjas not allowed in the UK? It was too violent. Clearly not too violent. Yeah, it's a pirate country over there. <laughs> Pirates versus ninjas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gotta pick a side. Good call. Didn't they like hide? They also like edited <laughs> footage to like show the weapons less prominently too. Yeah, I mean, one of the weapons got changed. I'm pretty sure. I think it was, was, it the, nunchucks, yeah, I think it was the nunchucks. Yeah, yeah. I got turned into yeah. a grappling hook. Yeah, dude, I had a pair of the nunchucks as a kid, like legit ones. I've got. There was a corner store, like the knife store, and the guy sold nunchucks for twenty bucks. I was my grandfather took me there, and I was like, "Cool nunchucks." He's like, "You want them?" Like, yeah. Like, I got nunchucks. I've got five pair in the other room, <laughs> just chilling. <laughs> right. Some rattan. Some. Yeah. These were not cushioned. These were real. Oh, yeah, no, these are hardwood. I've got a couple of foam, but a couple are hardwood, a couple are tan. They hurt. Yeah. Yep. I mean, there, there is four of us, you know, and there is four Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. I'll just all be Mikey. The four humors. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the the Cowbunga collection, like, the, the emulation and stuff, uh, like, there's some small issues, I think, with that. Like, you know, of course, like, the online play, the, people are complaining about lag with the fighting games and shit. Uh, there's no crossplay, right? I I think that the, there's think online there play, but I don't think there's crossplay between different yeah. systems now. Um, 
like I, I was showing you like the the Turtles in Time like arcade version. Like there was that one little part where like the grating and the metal wasn't like lined up yeah. perfectly. So it's like you know small little details like that. They had good filters on it, like where you could do the monitor, yeah, and the, the LCD scan lines and shit. Yeah, the retro filters are really good. They were I was I was impressed that they were actually like pixel accurate mm-hmm. scan lines because uh, if you go and play like. This has been a real pet peeve for me lately, but if you go and play the PS1 classics that are out on PS4 and 5 now through the new PlayStation Plus plan, uh-huh. how many times can you say PS in a uh, yeah. sentence? Jeez. Um, they've got a scan line option for the PS1 games, but it's like the cheapest overlay imaginable. Mm. It's not pixel accurate. It's like it's just they like made a. It's like they made a transparent ping with lines on it and slapped it on. Mm-hmm. It's so awful. But like this is actually really good. Yeah, that's like the Calabunga collection. It seems like the developer uh, Digital Eclipse they they did an awesome job at just like you know getting all this knocked out and get, getting all the extras in there. You can really like zoom in on all those magazine ads and that's um Digital Eclipse. That's the the company that like um Frank Cifaldi from the the Video Game History Foundation. Like he he assists with that company, isn't doesn't he? I don't know. Like they do a lot of retro collections and, and generally they do a pretty good job with them. But as far as I'm, t- as I could tell, like, you know, I just hopped in on turtles in time and jumped around, you know, beat the first level. It was like, it's playing fine for me. Like I'm not one to be like, Oh, the frames per second are off. And you know, like, I, I don't know if it, if it has a little bit of slowdown and Sprite flicker, I grew up with that. So it's fine. <laughs> like that feels like a personal attack. <laughs> well, all I'm saying is like, I'm speaking from a place of like inexperience of like, I can't really detect that shit, you know, like when, when, when stuff yeah. is going on and like they, they even have some of the options in the game to turn off Sprite Flicker and, you know, all these like different yeah. like cheat modes so and stuff that you can do. You can play it janky if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, it's, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, this is, you know, I think I said it on another episode, but like, this has got me thinking, you know, the Metal Gear collections, you know, something I like would... some kind of form of like where they're collecting of, uh, not all of the games, of course, but like, Maybe some of the the first, you know, the retro games. Throw Ghost Babel yeah. in there, and then throw in a bunch of extra shit like Metal Gear, Metal Gear Two, Ghost Babel, Snake's Revenge. Put it in a collection. Throw in a bunch of marketing. Metal Gear NES. Just yeah, free. Yeah, put in the NES version for, That's all, for yeah. God's sake. Metal Gear like, One and Two, Metal Gear NES One and Two, Japanese version Metal Gear One and Two. Like yeah, throw in the MSX Japanese and English well, fan version. Like all of well, it. I mean, yeah, like like do the do like like English and Japanese MSX. I mean, obviously, yeah. they're not going to be able to do like the original face portraits. Like there's some there are going to have to be some concessions. No, but like throw in the updated ROMs in there and throw in the old yeah. like untranslated like rough as shit versions. Like let let people yeah. have all the different versions, because that's pretty much what this Calabunga collection is. Like you can literally just hit a button. This isn't the first collection like this that these guys have done. I think it's probably one of their most sophisticated ones, but they were also doing like. Uh, you know, the Mega Man Legacy Collection. Yeah. Like the SNK uh, Anniversary Collection. Like, that's what these guys did as well. Okay. Uh, or like the Disney Classic Games Collection that had like Aladdin, Jungle Book, and Lion King on it. That was them too. Okay. Like, they do these kinds of projects and they are very good at it. Actually, Frank Cifaldi would be interesting to get on to talk about game preservation. I'd be interested to to, to talk to him about like old Metal Gear stuff and kind of pick his brain on that and see what he thinks. Yeah. The Video Game History Foundation does a lot of interesting stuff, but that's all. I just, I would like to pick his brain on that. Speaking of, like, re- like 
preserving Metal Gear history, and I know that we're almost at time, but can we talk about, oh, that Raspberry's dad just happened to find a sealed Tiger Electronics Snake's Revenge game, handheld game, like out in the garage or something. That was insane. Yeah. You know, if you're listening, I'll buy it for $100. (laughs) Whole big one hundo. Nice Franklin. How much is that in yen? She's in Japan. Uh, right now, it's stronger than the yen, so you're gonna you're gonna do well on that deal. <laughs> you know, that's that's a that's a that's a, a couple and you know, some nice dinners out. You know, you know. Hey, uh, how many days has it been since like a MGS remake article, Nitroid? <laughs> oh God. Okay, let me let me check the calendar here. You had to reset yeah, I, the old counter there the other day, didn't you? And that kind of God, set you back a little bit. <laughs> God bless, say what you will about strange brain structure, but God bless it for taking all the remake articles and blogs from the past, however, and just shoving them aside on the algorithm. Yeah, I did love that. Unfortunately, we also got shoved aside. So if you search Kojima podcast, good luck finding us. A a worthy sacrifice. No, I'm just playing. Uh, Yeah, Uh, you know, I'll take that deal. Yeah, (laughs) I'll take that deal. Yeah, uh, I made a joke about how, like, days since last Metal Gear rumor, because VGC was talking about, like, uh, collections that are in the works and TGS and Konami, like, they're doing their usual, you know, reporting rumors stuff. And it was 203 days since a Metal Gear rumor. Mm. Had to set it back to zero. Damn. Yeah, we were doing good. It's actually pretty good. I I checked. I literally checked. It was 200. <laughs> yeah, I remember you're like, that was inaccurate. I did the math. The remake's actually going to happen. I'm not going to believe it, dude. That's that's the worst part about this is when they actually do announce something, I'm going to think it's fake. <laughs> We're going to have a hard time believing it. That's, I mean, that's going back to like MGSV, man. Like, we didn't know what the fuck that game was for like the longest time. Like, that, that game yeah. gave a lot of people trust issues. Like, it, I don't know. How <laughs> <laughs> many people went to therapy because of that? Like, I can't believe anything my spouse says anymore. Like, I don't know if it's just part of the ruse. What if Kojima got to them? Oh, no. Someone out there is like, it it probably took it that far. I hate to say it, but like, yeah. Yeah, I wonder how Kojima got David Bowie to write a song about Metal Gear. (laughs) Oh, man. God, it's so awful. You go to you go to any of the tracks. That's the one real big downside about this is that, like, if you look up the tracks that are used in any of the trailers, they're just full of Metal Gear comments. Yeah. Some of them even like will return results from Google that say they are from Metal Gear. It's uh-uh. so annoying. <laughs> the only the only game he ever wrote music for was a uh, uh, David Cage game. All oh, right, uh, the was it Omicron Omi- or something? Omicron the Nomad Soul, yeah. He yeah, was I've in the game. That. He was in the game as character. Yeah, I need to play that. You've never seen the Super Best Friends playthrough of that. My <laughs> God, you are missing something incredible. You're gonna have to link me to that. I want to watch that later. It's it's a long one, but oh, God, I remember that game being like a fever dream. That was such a weird time in my life, like playing through. I remember playing it, but I don't remember playing. You it. played it at launch. I don't. Know. I, I I did. I had it on the Dreamcast. I'm I, I so fucking, jealous of both. I fucking of you. loved it. I bought like every Dreamcast game that was available, like when I had it. Mm. That system was great. That's what sucks about my story about me letting a buddy borrow my Dreamcast with all my games because they're all gone, <laughs> except for Code Veronica. Hold on, did I miss something? Is is Omicron on the Dreamcast? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Dreamcast and Ooh. PC. Oh, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, because like Dreamcast had a pretty small library, like in comparison to other ones. So like I, I got like pretty much every game for it, and like just like would look up games for it. So good though, wasn't it? It couldn't be beat on like arcade ports. Like its yeah. arcade ports was so good. That, I mean, that was the Marvel versus Capcom two system for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah, so good. I used to play Hydro Thunder like crazy on mine. Also, I'll say maybe one of the best sports eras ever for like NFL 2K1 like oh dude like holy shit what a game like not even a sports fan like ever normally but like god damn yeah but they were so good yeah Yeah. it it played like butter it was like a serious version of NFL Blitz Mm mm-hmm yeah good call you know it played it played that easily but it wasn't like a joke game. Which, which that's normally what I had to do. I would have to play like Mutant League football or Blitz to have fun with that shit. But like, yeah, NFL yeah. 2K1 was just like, and and all of their, all the other sports pretty much like during that, like the hockey game was good. The basketball was good. Virtual tennis was good. Yeah, NHL Blitz was so good. Yeah. I liked, uh, I think it was called like Zombie, uh, Zombie what? Remember what it was called? Ate My Neighbors. No, it was not Zombies Ate My Neighbors. It was a, it was a 3D like, Three-player shooter, uh, Zombie Revenge. Mm. It was really corny, and it was just a lot of fun. It was like a third-person arcadey style game. Like, like you said, it was it was a great system for arcade games. You know. Oh, okay. I remember this cover. Yep. Okay. Yep. And because we've sort of gone off the the beaten path here uh, to talk about Dreamcast, and we're going really long, and I swear <laughs> I could talk about Dreamcast like all night. I'm gonna swing it back around to Kojima and say, did you know that Zone of the Enders at one point was being made for the Dreamcast? Oh. Uh-huh. And... I legit did not know that. One of the proposed titles for the game before they decided on Zone of the Enders uh, was Atlantis, taken from the TV series Man from Atlantis, because the guy in the show had shorts that had a logo that looked kind of like the Dreamcast logo. Huh? Oh, what was that thing that we saw in the Cowabunga collection that showed, like, the prototype of Metal Gear on, like, what the fuck was that? Okay, so there is a, okay, so what we were talking about earlier with with Metal Gear showing up in the Cowabunga collection is it has a lot of magazine ads, and there are a couple in there that show Metal Gear alongside Ninja Turtles, because those were the the big two games for the Ultra Games subsidiary for Konami, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a screenshot for Metal Gear that is very clearly not Metal Gear, but it but it looks like Metal Gear. It's like it's like a hand drawn Metal Gear screenshot. It's really bizarre. It's yeah, it's we've got Metal Gear at home, Metal Gear. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, like we find we finally found Steel Cog. There all <laughs> yeah. along. Um, but like, yeah, it, apparently it's like a it's like a drawn concept of what the. Uh, the IBM or Amiga version of Metal Gear was going to look like. And there's there's not a huge amount of information on that. And like if you if you want to see more, check out uh, Arkhound, uh, his account on Twitter. Uh, he's also got a, a website that's got a lot of translated materials. It's worth checking out. Uh, really, really cool guy. Yeah. knows tons of stuff. And he talks a little bit about this. But yeah, it's 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 from one of those early versions. And it's like a drawn prototype. It's like a drawn concept for it that they just used i guess for the nes because it's what they had yeah just at that time of the publication it must have yeah they just had like early prototypes <laughs> just like asking for whatever yeah. footage or screens they had yeah it's like imagine if metal gear was on atari yeah 
and that's kind of what it looks like. It's really funny. I really do hope for one of those type of collections to come out for Metal Gear, even even just for the extras that would come out of it, you know? I'm sure there's yeah. a bunch of little nuggets. Yeah. And... Give us that. Give us Snatcher and Police Knots in a collection. Just please give us something. Please. Please. <laughs> just put it in a box and we'll buy it. <laughs>